Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Front Kicks and Throat Cuddles podcast, a show dedicated to the crazy world of mixed martial arts. Join your hosts, Laurel, Ty, and Jordan, as they break down all the latest and biggest news and bouts. This is the one podcast that will never let the fight go to the judges. Live from your favorite podcast listening device, it's time! Hey, FKTC crew, we are back for another episode of the Front Kicks and Throw Cuddles podcast. This episode is brought to you by Division Staying Moving. Had Volk won on Saturday, it would be interesting time for the featherweight and lightweight divisions. As much as I'd like to see him get the champ champ status, I think this would be the best move going forward. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how you guys scored it, but it was uh, somewhat controversial, at least to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'll like that. Di- I'll actually dive right into it. I. Th- I would actually probably agree. So the way I had scored it, I had it 48-47 for Volk. I had him winning rounds two, three, and five. And then Islam won one and four. Um, I think the only rounds that was debatable from my understanding was round three, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so th- there were like a lot of like scoring discrepancy uh, between like the fans and like the judges especially on verdict, you can see like the actual where the judges thought one way and the fans thought the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had it two, three, and five to, uh, to Vogue. Um, man, that judge that had 49, 46 uh, for Makachev, mm-hmm. I, I don't know where he got that from, but man, I, I thought Vogue <laughs> should have been the champ champ on a Saturday night or Sunday morning. And, uh, Man, it was still a great fight, though. That's the definition of elite mixed martial arts right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely would have agreed with 48-47 for either guy, but a 49-46, like, there's absolutely no way that it should be 49-46. Yeah, my thing, my whole thing around the whole fight is that the scoring criteria needs to be reviewed and revised because it needs to reward defense in some type of way. Mm-hmm. Now, Volk cannot just keep on defending takedowns over and over and not get credited in the scoring criteria, yet Islam is being credited because it counts towards aggression. Mm-hmm. So I think there needs to be some type of change in that because, I mean, if you keep on defending those takedowns, and which is a big part of Makachev's game plan, I mean, that should be scoring points for you throughout the way. So things need to change, man. Oh, yeah. That doubt. Um, how are you doing, Laurel? I'm doing good. I'm sad that I missed the Makachev-Volk fight. Um, I missed most of the fights that evening due to prior commitments, but... Um, I I had heard some I don't I'm not going to say complaining that uh, there was too much ground game and spooning as they called it but I mean I always find that to be good MMA so I don't know what they're talking about 
So I'm going to disagree without even watching it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, the ground stuff was fine. I mean, usually fans just like to see a stand-up battle. But yeah. there was a point where Makachev did have uh, Volk's back and he was doing nothing with it. And since it's such a dominant position, you expect someone like Islam to do something with it, maybe get a finish. But he was holding on to dear life, it seemed like. And that's kind of weird when you're supposed to be the dominant fighter in that position. And yeah. Volk was, was giving it to him. Yeah, I was going to, you know, what I said was, well, you just don't give up a dominant position like that. But again, if you aren't doing anything with that dominant position, then what's what's the point? Which should also be considered in the scoring criteria, but yeah. who, am I? who am I? Who am I? I found it very interesting. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I found it interesting. Uh, Volk, uh, gave out his comments on what he was saying to Makachev during the fight. And he was like mentioning the Makachev that he wasn't afraid of his ground game and like how he was like trying to, I wouldn't say so much like try to get into his head, but like letting him know, like he, like this, his ground game was nothing, which really surprised me. Like everyone's feared Makachev's ground game for so long. And Volk just was like, eh, like this is nothing special to me, which kind of shows you like the kind of, the level that he can bring to a fight um, versus what Makachev has had to do- dealt with in the past. Yeah, his fight IQ is so high that, I mean, because Volk defense takedowns much differently than I say like the average UFC fighter does because his footwork is so good. So he always places himself like in a well-positioned area to defend a takedown, you know, relatively easy than other UFC fighters. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's what separates him basically from, you know, maybe like an Oliveira or like a Poirier that might have more difficulty defending his takedown. So, so yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised that Volk uh, performed that well. I just, I thought he won, and I thought it would have been nice seeing him get two belts at, in his hometown. Oh, yeah. Now, I have a question. <clears throat> On fights like this, are you more so disappointed, maybe disappointed that Volkanovski lost? But are you more are you more disappointed that Makachev wasn't very dominant in, in the quote unquote win? Good question. You can go first, Ty. I gotta think about this one. Yeah. Okay. Um so sometimes I'm more disappointed in how the fighter fought than actually who won. When you have two greats like that. Yeah. So can you repeat the question one more time? I think I have an answer. I just need to make sure I ha- what I'm saying is correct. So the question is, are you more disappointed that Volkanos- Volkanovsky lost? Or are you more disappointed in the way or in the lack of performance by Makachev? Oh, yeah, that is really good. <clears throat> um. I wouldn't say I'm disappointed in Volk losing because he brought the best game against Makachev that anyone has ever brought in. And the fact that he was pretty much maybe around, I guess, a controversial round away from winning. There's like, there's still no debate. I mean, they even uh, released the pound for pound rankings yesterday and Volk is still number one, despite losing that fight. Mm-hmm. Um I would probably say if I were looking at it um, 
if I were looking at both ways, I'd probably say if there's anything to be disappointed. I mean, I don't even know if you could really be disappointed in Makachev, uh, Makachev's performance, because like Jordan said, um, Volk is probably one of the better IQ fighters that he has ever faced so far in his career. I mean, look at who um, Makachev has fought in um, during his career. He hasn't really, the only two names opposite of, other than Volkanovsky that he's fought in that is like, at least tier two or tier one talent is Dan Hooker and Charles Oliveira. And I mean, he dismantled Dan Hooker without a problem. And then Oliveira, honestly, I actually was really surprised at how he was, he did so well against Oliveira. I just think going up against a smaller guy in Volk, Volkanovsky was a little bit more trickier for Makachev because there could be some points where he can't really do what he wants to do because he's so used to facing bigger guys in the lightweight division and Volk just kind of had I wouldn't say the perfect game plan but a near perfect game plan to combating all of Makachev's strengths yeah for me it's probably I'll lean towards the performance of Makachev being a little bit a disappointment just from the you know fact of he had positions and you're usually dominant for Makachev and he didn't, he wasn't dominant that night. And that's kind of what we wanted to see because we wanted to see Makachev's best versus Volk's best. And I don't know if we got Makachev's best, but if we did, it just, it's only more of a credit to Volk because it looks like Volk is the only fighter to do that to to Islam. Um, all right, so that kind of, I guess, covers a little bit of the whole Volk versus um, Makachev fight. Um, so let me propose this question to both of you. So normally what we do is, I think for big pay-per-views, we normally try to cover at least one prelim. I, I, let me propose this question. Out of all the prelim fights, before we cover the main card, was there a result that you were either incredibly impressed with or was there a result you were incredibly surprised with throw it all out there for uh for me it would be the australian justin gaethje jack jenkins mm-hmm. had a great performance i thought he did i thought he fought very well his leg kicks are absolutely brutal uh probably broke his opponent's leg once again making it like five in a row for his opponents uh i just thought he looked really good uh, he will be a, a contender, you know, sooner or later. So I can't wait for his next fight. Nice. Um, for me, because I did get a chance to see the the prelims. I don't know. Not none of them. I don't know. I I don't think anything really stood out for me. Um. No, not really. I don't think anything really stood out for me. Okay. I mean, the fight that I wanted to see the the Tuka Gov versus the Brenner, mm-hmm. that went terribly wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That one did not go. That one, and, as you remember watching, that one did not go too well for Zuka. 
Yeah. Yeah. Just, just bad. I was a little surprised about the Kulaba, the Kulabeo. Fudge me. I just can't pronounce those things. <laughs> um, and the bag, Bagdasarian. Okay. <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting a submission ending to that. Right. It was good. Yeah. It was good. Um, I would say like the, I can't pronounce his, I can't pronounce his name for life. I'm, I want to say something, but I keep thinking it's something completely different. I will say though, probably, can we look real quick? Bit Builder. Builder, that's what I'm thinking of. His performance was really good from what I, from what I got to saw. But I'd have to say for me, the and I'm going to go on the disappointing end. I was a little disappointed in Tyson Pedro's performance against, um, oh gosh, I still look again because I can't even remember his name. Uh, Tyson Pedro fought. Um, Buka, Bukas. 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 Yeah. Oops. Sorry. <laughs> I just hit my phone on the desk. Um, but names that no one can pronounce. Yeah. Um Pete, I've known Tyson Pedro is one of these guys who are just like, especially for someone in the light heavyweight division, just so fast and so quick. Um, and is able to knock people out. But he just seemed like try to do too much, maybe in that first round, and it completely gassed him in the second and third round. Yeah. And it was just like as Pedro is like I think one of the one of the Australian fighters outside of Jack Della Manalena who I and then um obviously Volk who I thought would have a fairly decent performance and he just came out flat and it just really surprised me yeah I think Tyson tried to do too much there in the first round like you said he just ran out of gas I think the adrenaline got to him too much try to give it all, try to get a first-round finish in front of his home crowd, and just couldn't. Mm-hmm. Such a shame. It, fight pace, learning fight pace, and by what I, what I mean by fight pace is learning how to control your energy so you don't gas out is one of the hardest things that I still today deal with in jujitsu rounds and it's it's really difficult and it takes a lot of self-control and it's something that you you can't practice right yeah something that i think comes more naturally to fighters because especially yeah like you said when it comes like to pace like everyone Mm -hmm. has their own different kind of pace when it comes to fights especially especially when you're comparing it to three round fights or five round fights like you have to have a certain pace to like keep that cardio up and if you just completely like that's kind of like why i'm not a big fan of the whole going all in within the first few rounds because what's to say that your opponent's able to neutralize that yeah you gotta try to find a new strategy to win but if you're already like cardioed out out of energy it's not gonna go over well for you yeah and i think that's why you see a lot of fights where the fighters size each other up for like two minutes and you're like wait get get going get, do you know do something and the crowd starts to boo but really it's about trying to control the I don't want to say emotions because that's a funny term for it but trying to control your energy mm-hmm. 
I get it. I don't know if uh, you guys want to transition into this, but someone that has great fight pace uh, is Jack Della Maddalena. That guy is yeah. unbelievable. Uh, I have the highest respect and mm-hmm. everything you can imagine for JDM. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think by the end of 2024, he might be uh, fighting for a title. I think he's that good. You heard it here first. Yep, heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and transition into that. I honestly thought that it was going to be an like I know we I think we talked last week about how um the reach advantage and the size of Randy Brown might be a little bit of an issue for Jack Della Manalena, but he handled that like a champ. Like he just had no care. Like he like we were talking about, like he paced himself out, waited a little bit. Um I mean, yeah, it took him about three minutes to get the finish, but I mean, actually probably like two and a half minutes, but man, still like he was patient. He knew what the Randy Brown's strengths were. He was able to find a way to execute it and just hit him with a very nice, um, I want to say it was a hook that like flattened Randy Brown. And then Jack Della Manalena took the opportunity, jumped on his back and submitted the guy. Yeah, if he really wants to fight three times a year, so we're looking at two more fights this this year, hopefully one by July and then December. Mm-hmm. And then we're looking at 2024, probably March, April, and then summer again, and then winter. So that's going to be five fights. So he can for sure get into the title picture by then next year. I think it's very, very reasonable for him. Um, I would love to see JDM versus Vicente Luque mm-hmm. as the next fight. I think that's a perfect fight for JDM. Oh yeah, yeah. I think he's. I think they had announced that he's. I think 14th now in the welterweight ranking. So he's making his way up there. And selfishly, I would like it for be here in Miami so I can watch. <laughs> that's fair. That'd be a quick turnaround from though, but I mean, he didn't, he only, he was only in the ring for less than three minutes. So it's definitely possible. Yeah. He was on the MMA hour today talking about, he's going to go on vacation now with his family. So it's not reasonable, but he did mention, I think July as a, as a date that he wants to come back in maybe international fight week. That'd be good. So wouldn't mind that at all. (laughs) All right. Um, one fight I do want to transition to um, real quickly. Um, I, I have to give credit to Justin Taffa. He was able to just, he he what he went into the octagon, took care of business, and went home. Like, if there was like a picture perfect way to really get the home crowd going, Justin Taffa did it on Saturday night. Justin Taffa did what we thought Tyson Pedro was going to do. Yes. <laughs> I mean, if you really think about it. But yeah, it was a good performance by Tafa. He actually, you know, made it count in front of his hometown. Uh, I mean, Park Reporter, I mean, I don't know what was up with him that day or if he had a bad, bad camp, but it looked like he had no answers. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a big Park Reporter fan. <laughs> uh, he just kind of seems sloppy understandable he wins Mm -hmm. 
it's worked out for him. Oh yeah. <laughs> this only works out maybe like 50 50 50. Maybe he wins 60 40. Yeah. <laughs> Up along those lines. Um before we get into the co-main, I want to talk about the Kurt versus Menefield fight. That was ruled a majority draw. Um, of course, there's a reason why it was ruled a draw, because there was a point deduction from Menefield for grabbing the fence. Um, and then Jimmy Crute went on to dominate that third round. Um, the way I kind of saw it was that Menefield, like, I, I was really impressed with Menefield because he's one of those guys that can knock you out no matter where it is, but he was like taking so much, not taking so much damage on the ground, but he spent so much time on the ground. It was like beginning to worry, like, is this guy going to gas out? And then the second round, he just like came out out of nowhere. I think he nearly almost finished Jimmy Crude at one point. I thought for sure second round was going to be done, but I have to say that both these men showed a lot of determination and a lot of skill in that fight despite it being a draw yeah i actually kind of agreed with the decision uh i think the referee for that fight was mark goddard if i'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. uh it was a great job by him uh i do agree that point should have been taken away because uh jamie crute was going to i don't want to say on his way to a a very decisive win if he would have played out how it should have played out but um, I do agree with the point being taken. I, I am a big person on your warning is in the back in the locker room. And mm-hmm. if you do it in the octagon, you should be taking a point depending on the severity of it. But something like that should be a point immediately. Which mm-hmm. I'm glad that's happened. I was kind of disappointed in Crew in the first round. I thought he was going to come out firing more. But in the sense of being aggressive but not reckless, Mm-hmm. And he was leaving his chin out to be knocked out and he does have a chin so maybe mm-hmm. his game plan was just to take punches who knows but uh jimmy crew was a little underwhelming for me for his performance mm-hmm. so there wasn't a majority draw there wasn't a winner right yeah there wasn't a winner for that one okay okay um, and then the last thing I want to touch up on is the co-main event. I have to say, like, um, not that I underestimated Yair Rodriguez. Uh, I knew this was going to be a good fight from the get-go, but it just, it surprises me at how he was able to neutralize Josh Emmett's, um, stand-up game, take him to the ground, do some damage there, and then just... The way he threw that arm, that triangle choke submission, like it, to me, it came out of nowhere because for a moment I thought Emmett was like getting ready to do some ground and pound on him. And then just he slipped. Well, no, Emmett didn't slip. Yeah, Rodriguez just threw his legs up and boom, like all of a sudden he's already in the triangle choke. I'm like, whoa, where's this coming from? And all of a sudden he's happening. Like, yo, yeah, Rodriguez is for real. Yeah, there was a reason why I was going back and forth on this fight. I, I was playing out so many scenarios in my head. And th- this was for sure one of them. I mean, Rodriguez looks so good. Yair's body kicks are absolutely deadly. He had Josh Hemmer hurt a couple of times. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, a fight with him and Volk is, I don't think it's going to be bad at all. I think it's going to be a very competitive fight. I mean, at the end, I do think Volk wins. Uh, but, yeah, you can make it interesting. Because if oh. you could be, you know, a fighter like Emmett, like that, the way he did, you know, mm-hmm. for sure have a, a competitive fight with Volk. <clears throat> all right i think that covers 284 um how would we grade this card that's interesting i i, I personally like the card a lot i would mm-hmm. give the main card around like a b b plus okay um but the whole card in general I'll, yeah i'll probably just stay with the same grade when i think about it there, there was a couple prelims that were really good yeah, mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, I have to go A minus. Oh, yeah. It was a solid event all around, some great finishes, and a strong competitive main event in the for the champ champ status. So I I wasn't mad about the the main event decision. Um, of course, the only thing I was really upset about was the 49 to 46, but other than that, it was a really competitive fight. I felt like either fighter could have taken it. As much as I wanted to see Volk win double champ status, I could also see why Makachev won the fight too. Yep, I just can't see the 49-46. I can't either. All right, so before we get to our picks, do you want to do our um, updated standings, Laurel? Yes. So I'm going to go lowest to highest first. Okay. So for picks, uh, Jordan is uh, one of th- one win and three losses. <laughs> Sorry, Jordan. <laughs> Ty is two wins and two losses, and I picked three three wins and one loss. All right. All right. So wait, the lo- wait is it like whoever finishes last in the standings is loses the entire thing? <laughs> what yeah the, okay but yeah. what if what if we what if there are two people tied for it that's my biggest question well there can only be one winner that's true oh so oh so you're gonna give it oh <laughs> so you have to finish number one in order to not get the penalty yeah got and it I okay i just want to make sure yeah all right yeah. so three and one two and two one and three yeah Big um, comeback this week. Big comeback for me. I mean, it could be this card was. I was looking at it yesterday. This card is going to be really difficult. This, especially the main card, it's going to be really difficult for me to make picks on this. Yep, yep, I agree. Um, so the next event is UFC Vegas sixty nine, and yes, there. I'm pretty sure because of how the MMA community is, there's going to be plenty of those jokes on Saturday night. Um. What? what did i miss something ufc yeah. vegas 69 think about it oh jesus <laughs> what are we two <laughs> i feel that's how most of the mma community is i mean sometimes i'll participate in like eh, like depends on how it depends but i just know and i only know it because i was listening to rhino uh today and he's like, oh, there's gonna, there's there's gonna be plenty of those six, 69 <laughs> jokes on Saturday. I'm like, and I thought about I'm like, 
Yeah, there probably are going to be. I'm already anticipating it, so. Jeez. Just got to prepare yourself. Yeah, I'm, all, I'm already prepared. Like, you probably can throw every one of those jokes in the book, and I'm like, cool. I can see a lot of, of the South Park nice gifts being popped up the entire night. Yep. Uh, so our first pick, our first pick, the first fight on the main card. Um, oh, actually, I should, before I do, even though we're going to cover it a little bit. So during UFC 284, they did announce that Talia Santos was injured and she is out of this weekend's fight. And Jessica Andrade, out of all fighters, steps in to face Aaron Blanchfield oh my in God. the main event. That's too bad for Aaron Blanchfield. <laughs> I think Jordan has something to say about that, but we'll get there <laughs> when we get there. We will um, get there. So the first fight is Alex Hernandez versus Jim Miller. This is a very interesting fight. I, uh, Jim Miller's not retired yet? <laughs> no, he's not. Why? I remember them saying something because he's fought at UFC 100 and then UFC 200. And he says he wants to try to make it at least to fight at UFC 300 before he considers retirement. Oh, my God. Which, I mean, he's only a year away from it, so. Granted, there's, well, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely going to, so, C284. Yeah, they'll probably be at UFC 300 by, like, early 2024, if not mid-2024. So he, I think he could definitely make it a year. Yeah, yeah. I guess if you want to lose all of your fights until 2024, then fine. Who am I to judge? I well, know. funny you mentioned that because I do have Alexander Hernandez winning the fight. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I think ah, that's a good call. Dang it, man. I actually have Jim Miller winning this fight. Really? Yeah, I got to be the oddball now. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think Jim Miller can actually do something with this fight because... Like what? Um, I, I, I have it by decision, so I think it'll be a very, very close decision. <laughs> but, I mean, Jim Miller, like, I wouldn't underestimate him. I, I'm hey, not he, underestimating him. He, he is on a three-fight winning streak, so... Mm-hmm. Okay. Signed, sealed, delivered. I got I you just, down. Yeah, I just I just think Alexander Hernandez is gonna bounce back. He he needs a win badly. I think uh oh yeah, there's gonna be his win. Yeah, that's what I thought too, because I know that he had lost a few. I'm like, oh, this might be like the this might be the make it or break it for Alex Hernandez. I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if he won this fight, but again, I wouldn't be surprised if Jim Miller won this fight either. So I feel like it really could go either way. This is why Ale- Alexander Hernandez is fighting this fight. Because he needs a win. Because <laughs> so he can win. <laughs> good point. So yeah, that's a good valid point. point. It is a valid point. Mm. <laughs> mm. All right. Our next fight is William Knight versus Marcin Pacino. I think I said that right. Prashneo, oh. right? I, I I'm pretty sure it's Prashno. I think so. Prashno. Okay. Um. Go ahead. You go first, Jordan. 
So if you look at the betting market, actually, I think it's a it's a pick'em between the two. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So the sports books don't even know who's gonna win. Um, I am leaning towards William Knight. Um, I think he will win. I think he also needs a bounce back. He's lost each of his last two fights. Um, and you know, I just think William Knight. You know, him in the apex and a shorter octagon. He's going to be able to cut angles more, try to land some big bombs. Mm-hmm. And I think he does. Uh, I think he would knock him out. Nice. Ooh, knockout. I wasn't thinking about a knockout for, well, I was thinking about a knockout for William Knight. I mean, his, he is, um, he's, he's one of those guys that he's not really, or at least I don't feel very active in his stand-up in the ring. And I just, Hmm. I can never pick a fighter that drops his hands constantly. And I worry about that for William Knight with a fighter like Marcin, Marcin, Marcin. How many ways can I butcher these names? (laughs) Um, Who who has experience in a a stand-up game, who... um, has ground experience as well and i think that he's just going to be unless william knight gets lucky i think he'll be too too powerful for for him so i'm going with marson all right you're gonna be the oddball because i'm gonna go william knight and i actually I, i agree with jordan i think it's gonna be a ko i'm just happy william knight made weight well, they haven't waited yet, so we'll see. Oh, that's true. Wait, so wait till Friday. <laughs> Unless you know something we don't. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying, William Knight is one of the is uh, the first fighter to go over ten pounds, not make weight by over ten pounds. Oh, was he? Was he? Was yeah, he that he was one? The one? Yeah. Oh my gosh! I totally yeah, forgot the about largest that. margin. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so it was like what two? 215 216 good grief goodness yeah. i think uh, it was 256 oh if he was a light heavyweight now it's 256 he would have been way way over yeah no he was over by 12 i think 12 so then that means he'd be yeah it's like 217 218 yeah sorry 256. no you're fine i was like 256 like that's heavyweight limit right He's there a massive man though he is a massive man he he, uh, he definitely is all right um next one we have josh parisian if i'm saying oh. that right versus jamal pogues i think i said that right too yeah uh, um i don't even know how to i don't even know who to pick on this one this is one i struggled with yeah, I mean, when we look at this fight, it's going to be hard to uh, kind of guess who's going to win, I guess, if you want to even say guess. Um, mm-hmm. The sports books I'm actually looking at right now have uh, Jamal Pogas as a big favorite. Interesting. So take that for how you will. Hmm. I actually have him as a as a or. Um, I actually don't have him as my favorite. I'm personally going with Josh Parisian. I think that he is is a better fighter and he's 
improved his striking game over the years. Whereas Jamal, I think, is um, fights in a square stance. So mm-hmm. he's facing his opponent and throwing punches. And it, it just that affects his power and mm-hmm. his mobility. Then uh, to top it all off, while he's while he's doing it and waiting for counter strikes, he drops his hands, and I think that's just going to be a bad combination for him against Josh Parisian. But I have I have some doubts about this pick too because I don't think that Josh Parisian is a great stand up fighter. And you know, if you look at his, I think his last fight was Parker Porter, right? I think so. Yeah, and he just did miserably in that fight so yeah i don't know i'm I'm picking josh parisian but i'm probably gonna lose <laughs> but i just couldn't get myself to pick jamal <laughs> yeah yeah I, I initially was gonna go parisian but i think i'm gonna go pogues in this one and i think i think this is gonna be and this is supposed to be a heavyweight. I think this is going to be one of those heavyweight fights that's just going to be, in my personal opinion, it's going to be one of those slow-paced heavyweight fights. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to uh, pick Jamal to win. Uh, Josh Parisian has a trend of losing one, then winning, then losing, then winning. And he's coming off a, a win, so I think he gets a, he continues that trend. Our co-main event is between Zach Pauga and Jordan Wright. Um, this is another hard one to pick. Um, I went with Pauga just because, well, not really just because. I just feel like, I mean, the names sound the names sound familiar. I'm just not too familiar. I think Pauga is from the um, Ultimate Fighter, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, so Pauga was the one that lost to Usman's uh, brother. That's the, right. Yeah, the Ultimate Fighter. In stunning fashion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that stunning was that. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's right. I do remember that fight. That one was very interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Jordan Wright. I feel like it's like real hit or miss, according, at least in my opinion. Um, so I'll go Palga in this fight. I think this is going to be another one of those slow-paced fights. For me, I think Jordan Wright bounces back. He's on a three-fight losing streak. I think there's a big bounce-back card. People that are losing are going to win. I like Jordan Wright's style. He's uh, he's going to finish or he's going to get finished. I like that. I don't like fighters that go to the judges. And Jordan Wright does not go to the judges. Um, so I think he gets it done. Nice. Yeah, I think my one one hang up with Jordan Wright is that his striking accuracy is is uh, hit or miss. It's 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 low. Um, Zach Paga, I think, is a really strong striker, but I feel like he has a really it's not smooth, and he has a lot of wasted motion. If you had a high fight IQ you could you could figure out a pretty quick game plan to defeat that um I think it's a really interesting matchup and probably going to be closer than than 
you know, kind of what I'm I'm portraying at least. But I did pick Zach Zach Paga to win. I think he'll beat Jordan Wright. Yeah. Now I'm the only one with the betting underdog. I like <laughs> which it which is probably gonna happen a few times. So yeah, probably. Yeah. Um so our main event's gonna be very interesting. I'll let Laurel cover it, but it's gonna be, be I'll let Laurel cover it first. But it's between Jessica Andrage and Aaron Blanchfield. Aaron cold blooded Blanchfield, you mean? Oh yeah. <laughs> I actually love that name a lot. <laughs> this is going to be a really good fight, I think. I, I'm, I'm a Jessica Andrade fan, thanks to Ty, actually, um, and she's just been savage the last couple fights that she, she has been in. Um, I think Erin Blanchfield is a, an excellent jujitsu artist. I really appreciate that about her she is very tough and she's one of those gals that I don't you know never has a dull moment in the octagon she's always Mm -hmm. always battling I'm just I'm picking Jessica Andrade because I think that she just has better experience better experience against higher level fighters and I I think she's going to be able to hang the only thing is if Aaron gets her on the ground she might be in deep deep doo-doo we're talking about blanchfield being deep doo-doo or andrage being in deep doo-doo andrage being in deep doo-doo okay i'm still picking her to win though okay lay it on jordan i know i know you like you and i have talked about aaron blanchfield so lay it on i got aaron blanchfield to win this fight, and she will be competing for the belt later this year. Aaron Blanchfield, I think, is maybe the second best fighter in the division because we have to give Valentina her flowers. But I think she's the real deal. She does not get hit a lot. She lands at a pace that it is not average for women's flyweight. She has great takedown defense. And she's averaging four takedowns per 15 minutes. She's everything you would want in a flyweight fighter. She's going to have the longer reach in the fight. She's going to be taller. Uh, I think, and obviously she's much younger. I think this works perfectly for her. I understand that Andrade is a tough opponent, as tough as they come. I just think Blanchfield matches up with her perfectly more than some of the other fighters in the flyweight division. I think Blanchfield gets it done. And since it's a five-round fight, I do believe that Blanchfield will also get the finish on Andrade, which will surprise a lot of people, in my opinion. And I think Blanchfield moves up the rankings a lot, and I think she'll be fighting uh, for a title really soon. Okay, so with that being said, in what round do you think Blanchfield gets it done? I can see a... I mean, that that's a tough question because Blanchfield hasn't fought someone like Jessica Andrade before, so mm. she's going to have to get her rhythm down, 
her timing down since it's her, her, I don't know if she's fought five rounds before, maybe an amateur or in other places we don't know, but I don't know if she knows how to conserve her energy in a five round fight, which is the only concern I have of mind. But I do believe that she probably has great cardio if her work ethic speaks for itself. Jessica Andrade is though built different. Um, I don't know if she can finish her in the first or second. I was leaning maybe towards a third to fourth round finish. Okay. Okay, I'm looking now, and it looks like um, Blanchfield has never gone past a third round before. Every third round, it was a decision. So I don't think she's ever. This will be her first like five round fight in her career, at least in her professional career. I have to okay, go back so, and see if there's Amy's. So that in that sense, I do think maybe in the first round it's more of a uh, feed each other out type uh, round. Get the timing down, get the pace down, get everything down, uh, get some looks, get some reads, and then it'll start to pick up from the second round. And then I think third or fourth, she'll get it done. All right. Um. Yeah, I know Jordan, you and I have been talking about it. Um. Oh, actually, before I even give my prediction, Laurel, how did I, how did I interest you in Jessica Andrade? Because you have to refresh my memory. Oh, I just think that the more you and I would would talk about fighters and you know their different strengths and ad, attributes, and then I, the more that I watch film on them, you know, I'm not watching film film i'm watching highlights and past fights and everything i just i just think she's tough but i think that the way she handled lauren murphy that this last time kind of you know did it for me because i feel like lauren murphy's a really tough competitor and jessica just handled it handled her well but then she's the gal that beat my favorite female fighter rose namayuna so Mm-hmm. I have to, I have to offer some respect. So that's fair. Yeah. She actually, Andrade beat Caitlin Jugigian and Lauren Murphy both actually. Well, well, with Caitlin, it was more like a liver punch, which is like, oh, of course that happened. And then I, I knew it was going to happen, but I just, I love Lauren Murphy and just the way Andrade handled her was, it, it hurt. It hurt a lot. So it's she's definitely it one of the ones I Murphy too. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it seems like Murphy's in good spirit. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Um I went back and forth on this. And especially after evaluating the only thing that concerns me with Blanchfield against Andrage is that she, Blanchfield only has a week, would really have actually maybe even less than a week like five days to prepare for a new opponent and that's what that's what's really tripped me up about this because but you also have to think Jessica Andrade I mean I know she had just fought last month but the fact that she's fighting on three four weeks notice or three four weeks after her last fight could that mean that Andrade is the fresher fighter because she had just fought recently but then again Murphy did bring her the whole 15 minutes and throwing so many punches and Murphy not going down I'm pretty sure it has to tire someone out 
even though it's going to be a little bit of a it was completely dominating don't get me wrong but having to keep i mean if Andrade had finished Murphy in the first or second round. I'd probably lean advantage Andrade here for this fight. But the fact that it took the entire 15 minutes and she threw all those strikes, I think it was like somewhere on the line of like 250, 275 strikes on Murphy. That's going to tire out anybody. And now you have to come back a month later and fight an up and coming prospect who, as Jordan says, could be the biggest threat to Valentina Shevchenko's title um except for Talia Santos because Santos was literally just a judge's scorecard away from winning that fight um so given all of that and factoring in everything I do worry that Blanchfield could I think that's where these first two rounds are going to be the feeling out process because it is a new opponent she had been preparing for Santos, but if you also kind of think about it a little bit, I mean, Andrade and Santos aren't exactly similar, but they kind of run the similar lifestyle, similar lifestyle, the similar fighting style where they're more of strikers. I think Blanchfield, the only thing she has to really worry about is Andrade's grappling and her ground game. Um, but with how good Blanchfield is on the ground either way, I think that'll kind of neutralize it. And so with my long-winded explanation on this, here is my pick. I'm going to go with Jordan. I'm going to pick Aaron Blanchfield. But I'm not going to go by finish. I'm going to say decision. All right. We're winning, Ty. We're <laughs> winning. I will, I will say this. If Blanchfield puts on a convincing show against Andrade, on uh, Blanchfield is going to fight the winner of Shevchenko and Grasso without a doubt. Yeah, you give her the title shot easily. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if something were to happen, I could easily see. I could really see Blanchfield having like a tune-up fight, maybe against either. Maybe they bring back the. Maybe they try to rebook the Santos fight. Another fight I would see if she can't get the title shot, which I'd be really surprised if she doesn't. I would see maybe Caitlin Jugagian, since she's like, other than Andrade and Shevchenko, Jugagian is probably one of the top. Oh, wait, no, I forgot about Manon Faroe. Ooh, that would actually be interesting, Faroe and Blanchfield, if they can't book the title shot. But I'd be really surprised if Blanchfield provides a convincing fight and is unable to get the title shot. So if that was the case, I think you can make a strong case for Faroe and Blanchfield fighting for the number one contender spot. I so. mean, just my opinion, I, I think you give it the title shot. Yeah. I would say like, yeah, if it's, if it's convincing or if she's able to beat Andrade, then there's no doubt about it. I just feel like with Faro hanging in the wings, which I'm actually kind of surprised that they didn't give Faro the title shot next month. I don't know. Is she like dealing with something or? Uh, I don't know. That's such a good question. That's because I'm just a little, I'm a little surprised that Grosso got the title shot with, especially with Faro there. But I don't know what to look at. I think, 
Oh, you know what? I think I remember uh, Pharrell, I think, got hurt in Jagagian fight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't know, Jagagian can't, cannot, <laughs> she, she's like that, I like her in a sense, but she's definitely got like that gatekeeper status that she can like beat all the, oh, what do you call those fighters? Um, Low level tier. Not level tier, uh, contender fighters. Um, contender. Except for, um, of course, she didn't beat Pharrell or she didn't she didn't beat Andrade. But I feel like with, especially when she fought Shevchenko, Shevchenko said she got hurt in that fight and she couldn't fight for a while, actually. I don't think she fought until December? No, November of that fight. Because she was originally supposed to fight, because um, she was supposed to fight Maya in like June, I think June, later on that year but she had to pull out because she got hurt and Maya had to fight um no I'm sorry she was fight Joanne Calderwood but Calderwood um but Shabingo got hurt then she Calderwood fought Maya and had lost her title shot to Maya and that's how Maya ended up fighting Shabjanko later on that year got my lineup in order so even though Jugagian is that kind of gatekeeper like when it comes to like these tough opponents she somehow tends to injure them somehow some way or another and real quickly before we move on i do see that uh the past i think few fighters that have beaten andrage have gotten a title shot their next fight so nice something to keep an eye on so let's see i'm trying to think who's beaten andrage late i know rose yeah rose beat her and she got a title shot um, Wei Li was also one of them. Didn't Wei Li beat her during in the title fight? That's the UFC.com has this uh, kind of messed up. Then maybe I'm wrong on that front, but I do think I, when uh, when Rose for sure beat her, she got the title shot, mm-hmm. and then. Yeah, that is a good question. Maybe UFC.com doesn't show if it's a a title. Maybe it's the last couple fights, not few fights. <laughs> no worries. Um, all right, I think that. Sorry about that whole rambling. I mean, the women's flyweight division, even though it's been dominated by Shevchenko, it's going to be very interesting these next year, two, three years for sure. Yep. Which is great because sometimes those women's divisions can get a little stagnant mm-hmm. with with the top ten and who's on the top ten. So, oh yeah, it's, it's good to see some competition coming up through those ranks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Blanchfield yeah. would be the uh, flyweight champ, and then Valentina moves up to knock off Amanda and to retire her. You know, it'll all be perfect. Oh, yeah, you just blew Laurel's mind right there. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the strawweight division, we'll have uh, Mackenzie Dern be the champ as well. Oh, that would be. Do you think she could become champion? I feel like. I think but... she can become. I think she just really has to work on her striking. Oh yeah. Oh, without if, she, a doubt, if yeah. she if she dedicates her the next few camps with her striking, she has a real possibility of being a champ. Her jujitsu mm-hmm. is so good. Oh yeah. Actually, I feel like we haven't heard from Kendra during a while, so hopefully we hear from a fight announcement from her soon. Yep. Uh, 
But yeah, Laurel, I kind of agree. Like the women's divisions have a little bit been stagnant, except for the like the strawweight division. I think has been the only one that hasn't been extremely stagnant. Right. So we'll see what happens. Um. All right. So those are our UFC Vegas sixty nine. Uh, that's what she said. Sixty nine. Oh. All that stuff. Um. Picks. That's what I was trying to say. Picks. Um. So we have one little bit of MMA news, and it actually kind of stems from a voice question we got from Juice from the Friendly Sparring Podcast. And so here is his question. Well, hello, friends and throw cuddles crew. You know who this is and what I do. That rhymed. I want to get your thoughts on Dan Hooker's uh, recent accusations about Islam being a cheat. Um, for more context, he tweeted this earlier today, just kind of vaguely suggesting he's on steroids, like saying, oh, you can't fly to Australia and hire a nurse to give you an IV and we wouldn't find out about it. Or whatever. like, what? Like, don't drop that without any fucking evidence. Which And, and like, saying that is kind of specific enough that it's like, oh, so maybe he knows something. But then don't follow that up with a tweet saying, Islam is a cheat. Prove me wrong. Bet you can't. Like, how are we supposed to produce clean piss tests from Islam Mahachev? Like, what do you fucking want, you crazy pants? Kind of like the ending of the whole crazy pants. Um, so, yeah. Well, apparently what happened in the news, um, I think this came out on Monday. It was like literally 48 hours after the fight. Um Dan Hooker accused Islam Makachev of taking an IV after the weight cut. And so there was like this, there's this whole kind of weird rumor thing going on about like how IVs are supposed to be done throughout the whole thing. So I'll actually pull up the article because it'll be a little bit easier for me to explain. So it says Dan Hooker is making some big accusations about UFC lightweight champion. Islam Makachev. According to Hooker, Makachev used an IV leading up to his fight with UFC featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky, a fight that would go to the judges in favor of Makachev, despite many people thinking it was a win for Volkanovsky. And then here's his tweet. I'm not going to say it because it has a certain word. Um, to say dumb, beep, thinks he can fly to Australia and hire a nurse to give him an IV and he, we won't find out. Cheating dog. He doesn't cheat. He doesn't win. He said, prove me wrong. Bet you can't. He also treated a screenshot of potential punishment for IV use, which is um, fighters can face up to two years. Um, Islam's a chief, uh, a chief. Islam's a cheat. I swear to God, this Kansas City chief victory is really getting under my skin. Um, IV use has been banned for some time due to the way the PEDs can be used in them. Prior to IVs, being banned fighters would use them to quickly rehydrate after weight cuts. Makachev looked as though he had a rough cut coming up to the scale later in the weigh-in window and needing to use the box to weigh in naked. That was a little weird to say. <laughs> for, now, <laughs> for now, these are just accusations. Should we know that Hooker is a teammate of Volkanovski? Um, I think Islam went ahead and released like a counter-argument saying that he didn't or something along the lines. I didn't quite get what he was saying. So let me know what you guys think. What, what do we think about Hooker accusing Makachev of cheating? Well, for me, I would uh, 
quickly say that uh, I think the uh, thread that Brett Okamoto uh, tweeted earlier today uh, was very, um, so what I'm looking for, um, thoughtful, I guess you would kind of say. Like he gave us a, an interesting uh, perspective and uh, kind of taught us all about what it actually says in the handbook. So I have it here. It says, uh, according to the UFC and USADA handbook, an IV can be used if it is determined to be medically justified and within the standard of care by a licensed physician and administered by a licensed medical professional. So then Okamoto goes on to say that the administered IV cannot be more than permitted 100 milliliters or more um, and stuff like that. And then at the end, he put, in other words, IVs used to treat to severe dehydration caused by cutting weight are not really banned. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the not really banned is. It's either banned or it's not banned. <laughs> but it kind of seems like, at least we know for sure that since Okamoto has tweeted this out, that we can all agree now that Islam did do an IV before the fight because he did not come out and say this if he didn't use an IV. Um, now it's just up to the fact that is it banned or is it not banned? Not, oh, it's not really banned. That doesn't answer any questions. Mm -hmm. We need to know the specifics of it. Um, I don't know how you can test if someone can use an IV. I don't know if there's testing for that. I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, I don't have no knowledge in that. But the whole thing with the IV, I mean, I, it really doesn't matter for me. Um, I know it can play a significant part in the fight because you gain more weight faster than your opponent, especially if your opponent's not doing it. But it can, it's kind of a bad look that not only did Islam didn't win in the fans' eyes, but now he used an IV before the fight and he's the bigger guy already versus Volk. So, yeah, kind of looks bad on him. Does Dan Hooker even know how long it takes for a PED to kick in? Good question. You're not going to take it the day before the fight and automatically be better. Well, I think when not, it comes... Not that I'm saying that it's, it's okay. I'm just mm. saying that it didn't help anybody win. Hmm. Well, it could depend on what they put in the IV too, because what the article stated is that. Oh, make sure, oh I X out the article. Um, yeah, it, to be honest, it's kind of tricky because I think if I remember correctly, um, Paula Costa was kind of in trouble when it came to an IV. I don't know if it was. I don't think it was like during like fight week, but he was um, filmed. Uh, having taken an IV at some point, I think in a training camp. And that kind of raised a lot of questions about the whole IV situation. Cause when that, with the IV, you could pretty much put anything into that depending on what it is. And if I remember correctly, I think fighters get tested before, like sometime after weigh-ins and then they get tested post post fight too. So We'll note because I think when we're talking about the whole John Jones situation, when he beat Daniel Cormier the second time to win the title, he was um, 
tested after that fight. And sure enough, like a month later, they announced that he had pissed hot. And so that was the. So, I mean, we could probably find out maybe the next couple weeks if they do, if they're still doing that testing after the fights, if something did pop in um, Ma- uh, Makachev's system. But this is just one of the situations that we're not sure what's going to happen until more information comes forth. So for the IVs, uh, what needs to be, now, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm almost certain that these IVs are not being filled up with, you know, performance enhancing drugs because it's it's not, it doesn't make any sense. It's not logical. Right. These IVs are being used to just hydrate faster and gain more water weight faster. So you can just be naturally more weighing more than your opponent having in a strength advantage and stuff like that. Mm. So usually I think they evoke uh, explained to Ariel Hawani that, you know, he weighed around like 170, 171 when he stepped into the octagon mm. and he felt like Islam was like at like 179. So, mm-hmm. so I mean, just take that for how you will, but Again, right. I think just the IVs are just strictly more to rehydrate faster and get that process not more of a, because uh, they have a little bit over like 36 hours to hydrate before they step into the octagon. So mm-hmm. instead of 36 hours of hydration, it can, that could be shortened in half with an IV easily. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be something to keep an eye on for sure. Um, but, oh, um, Jordan, you said you had something you wanted to talk about, unless I'm mistaken that. Well, I mean, just if we want to talk about Aaron Blanchfield being the next champ, but I think we kind (laughs) of situated that. Okay, that's fair. (laughs) I actually, I would say, uh, I do expect, uh, one more fight to be added to the UFC Miami card. Okay. Uh, we did see Chris Barnett versus Chase Sherman got announced uh-huh. uh, via someone that I am very uh, not close to, but we've uh, talked. Mm-hmm. And uh, I usually, she, she was the first one to get me into writing about the UFC. Um, so she announced it. Um, I do expect one more fight to be on that card. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of have an idea on who it might be. But that ha- that's yet to be determined due to uh, if a certain outcome comes out in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. So, um, oh, and then they announced um, earlier Jalen Turner has his opponent as an yes. opponent for two eighty five. Yes, Masoud Gamrot coming in yeah. short notice, perfect fight. Yeah. I love that fight. Laurel's wow. interested. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. All right. With all, I think, with all that said, I think that's all we have for today. Yeah. Or tonight, whenever. Whenever you're all listening to this. Tomorrow morning. I don't think it'll be it's out morning. tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm trying to think. So I was, okay, I think I got an outro down. So questions, comments, suggestions. If you want to join our group chat or 
I don't know, anything that you can think of that would be interesting. Give us um, topics to talk about for MMA news or anything along those lines. If you'd like to do that, you can reach us at our podcast page at FKTC Pod. Or if you'd like to reach us individually, you can reach Laurel at Rain Basin. You can reach Jordan at J22Lopez with two Zs. And you can reach me at TieFlyGuy15. But until then, I'm just going to try to get this outro right. Protect your faces from Laurel's kicks. Protect your necks from my throat cuddles. Watch out for Jordan's flying knees. And what's our number one golden rule? Never leave the decision in the hands of the judges. Yep. And we will see you all next week for UFC Vegas 70. Krilov versus Span, right? Doesn't sound right. <laughs> Let me look real quick. I think I think Krilov is part of it, but I don't remember who he's fighting. Let's. You see. are right, Krilov versus oh, Ryan yep. Span. Yep. Yay! So, Bye. see you all later. <laughs>